0: So, are you DTFF?
1: Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge.
2: Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football podcast, everyone. It is a beautiful Tuesday evening here, and we are live. We've got a great show for you tonight. We are talking about the AFC North, talking all things, free agents, the the draft we just had, which is amazing uh, for, for some of you. Um, interested to hear all your thoughts about the draft, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. We've got a who's who of uh, uh, panel guests here to talk about their their team joining us in the Homer's Corner this evening. So uh, I will go around the room here and introduce everyone. Uh, so we got Kate Majuk representing the Steelers. How are you doing, ma'am? Oh, you're muted, uh, Kate.
3: Every time I muted it. <laughs> so every every single week like jake can attest to this my awesome co-host on the ball blast fantasy football podcast the moment i hit record on anything our dogs just start playing it's like they ha- and they are upstairs and as soon as your broadcast went live there was just snarling and barking, and it's just sort of a tradition, I guess. They, they wanted to participate. participate. Oh yeah, let represent right. some Steelers, because uh, y'all are sleeping on some Steelers, I think. They're this year, to get
4: your energy up. That's what it is. They're your hype men.
2: Yeah. Yes, oh, they are go. absolutely.
3: They are really pumped for Steelers football. I think that's what it is.
2: Yeah, and then uh, representing the Bengals this evening, we've got Chris Allen. Chris. How are you doing? What's going on, everybody? I see, well, now,
0: Kate, she's got the jersey going on, so I feel bad. I
2: Hold on a minute. <laughs> oh, no, I thought that's a team.
0: <laughs> let's go ahead and let's, let's go ahead. Got you know, if, if everybody's got their team spirit, let me go ahead and do mine, too. So I appreciate y'all bringing me on. Now, I'm not sleeping on the Steelers or anything like that, but I have to show some love for, for my Cincinnati folks, so I'm here to talk ball with
2: y'all, and I'm, I'm here to have a good time, so let's do it. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. And then last, but certainly not least,
4: certainly the least. Don't <laughs> <be> <laughs> oh, hey,
2: now, come on. Uh, representing be, the Ravens, we've got John Luke Garofalo. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy to be here in Baltimore, so I'm happy to finally represent Ravens. I see Josh in the chat here, uh, who's my co-host and fellow Ravens fan. I'm hyped. Appreciate you guys having me on.
2: Yeah. Thank you for uh, joining us. This should be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get into actually talking about our teams and let you guys uh, just wax poetically about everything you love about your teams here. And this is really your opportunity to just let your biases come out and and, and talk truthfully um, or fanatically about your team, however you want to describe yeah. it. Um, let's go around the room here. Um, we are drinking and talking fantasy football. So we always talk about what we're drinking here. Uh, Jake, why don't you tell us uh, tonight what we are drinking?
1: I would love to. So I dropped off this delightful little guy onto Dustin's uh, doorstep before we started here.
2: It is City
1: Lights Brewing. It is a Café Marron, which I think is very fancy sounding. Um, It's an English style brown ale with coffee. Um, it's it's brewed right here in the heartland of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, MKE, um, and it's six point seven percent, which is a, it's a big kind of. It's
2: respectable, mm-hmm. yeah. And it is super tasty. Love that coffee flavor. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's brown and coffee, and it's everything mm-hmm. that's right in the title. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, John Luke, are you imbibing this evening? Of course,
4: every evening. Uh, yeah, I have Line and Kugel Summer Shandy. I drink so many of these, I should be endorsed, but they pay me no money. It's delicious. <laughs> it's a, it's a poultry two, 4.2%, so, you know, not everything. I can't be the man Jake is, but still delicious.
1: It's like well, a sweet tart. That beer is like a sweet tart, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. like
2: very, uh, sugary, kind of.
4: Not mm-hmm. as sugary as Limeritas from Bud Light, but somewhere in the middle. Yeah, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. repping Wisconsin, which I appreciate. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, that is true. Yeah, I feel like it would be. I... We didn't
1: have discussions about this before you came on about what you were gonna drink, so that you could
4: accurately you represent them. our home state. I mean, right? let's be real. A name like Line and you gotta come from a place like Wisconsin. No no <laughs> man named Line and ever came from New
0: York.
2: Well, that's fair. Yeah, that's gotta be true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, how about you?
0: Now I f- I feel bad because you guys put me on the spot. Hold on, let let Kate uh let Kate go through hers like real quick. Uh, I got some. you. Right. hold yeah, on. Put go. on
4: his jersey. Go grab his drinks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Was not prepared, my man, Chris. Um, I actually I I'm always one to partake in a fun drinking game, but I forgot to go to the beer store, so I am drinking this little number, uh, Dasani. Dasani. Das- Dasini. It is a uh, clear. Um, it is a clear spring mineral, hmm. something.
4: What's the percentage? Um,
3: it is uh, it nine percent.
4: Wow! Wow! What are the heavy notes? I'm kidding. Like, it's just floral.
3: No, it's not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but no, a hot take. I love Dasani water. I know it's not cool to like Dasani water. Nobody likes Dasani oh. water. I don't know mm-hmm. what what the problem is, but uh, I realize that there is a there is a special place of hatred in the heart of every twitter user for the brand of dasani water um
1: let's get that out of the way it's not from
4: fiji and i think that's the biggest knock against it
0: (laughs) (laughs) are we doing doing like bottled water water rankings what happened i
4: had had no idea there was like bottled water elitism
0: yeah i didn't
2: know that was a a a subset of twitter so uh, it's good to know now
0: so what is the 101 of bottled water discuss
2: <laughs> uh, oh,
4: boss! It's got to be boss, right? Can we not
2: Ooh. spend any time on this? Is, it, is it Perrier?
0: Yeah. You
4: named your show "Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football," so I don't
0: know what you're right. Yeah,
1: that. it's not
4: called hydrating
1: and talking fantasy football.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's like that feels like that's an open bar topic for them to just argue about all of the bottled water. This, that's
1: is, a good point.
4: Yeah, this yeah. is like a huge yeah. mistake. This is a branding mistake. I'm gonna go ahead and pass that blame to you, Jake.
0: Right? That's really? fair.
1: That's
4: fair. Chris you brought back something
1: did you I, I did
0: I did since uh I'm the resident home brewer of the group um I actually brought one of my own concoctions Ooh. here so oh, I don't know nice. if y'all I know because the sun is coming into my office so I don't know if y'all might be able to see it or not it but so suggestive. uh this is a uh New England IPA that I brewed about a month or so ago um Dry hopped with about four, four or five ounces of like mosaic, et a little bit of galaxy. So you've got that like fruit bomb, like aroma, like once, uh, once you put it to your nose and also has like that juicy flavor. Cause I also whirlpooled with like the same concoction of, of hops, like right before uh, I cut off the power, uh, the heat source rather. Um, and on top of that, um, just to smooth out some of the like the bitterness, like uh, potential bitterness from the hops, uh, tossed on a little bit of vanilla over top of it to smooth all that stuff out. So you've got that citrus flavor and aroma kick of uh, vanilla like on the back end uh, and a little bit of uh, tossed in some lactose as well. So it's got that sweet, like mouthy flavor, uh, mouthy, uh, like uh, taste to it. So it's a mouthy feel to it. It's pretty good. You, so did well, you say that, that you delicious. put
4: galaxy into your beer?
0: Yeah, it's a type yeah. of it's like the hop. That's a oh. hop strand. Yeah, it's galaxy like galaxy brain. Joe. Yeah,
4: that's how that uh... happened. Got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to go. I've been working on this recipe for about uh, like the better part of a year or so, and I'm like, you can see like this is more of like a yellowish color. And again, sorry about the the sun is like reflecting in. So like it has that like fruit look to it, that citrus look to it. But the thing I'm uh, I've been trying to do is. Um, I want to. I want to make it a little bit darker. I want it to look like an orange. That's what I want. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's uh, familiar with um, what is it? Uh, not a uh, Treehouse Brewery. They make uh, a beer. Uh, yeah, it's what's well, called um, uh, the Orange Julius. Uh, there oh. uh, that they make. Oh, yeah, yeah. It and used to been,
1: be a thing in malls.
2: Yeah. I remember <laughs> that was like a <laughs>
1: delicious.
0: I've been I've been trying to make. I've been trying to clone that beer, and they've got recipes out there. But I'm such a on a weirdo about that stuff. I'm just been trying to make my own recipe. So I'm almost I'm almost there. Like I've got the flavor down. I'm just trying to get the color right. And for me, it's like I eat with my eyes. So if like something looks good, then I have to have it. So I'm, I'm almost there, though. I've actually got another five gallons sitting in a bucket like back in my closet right now uh, that nice. I think I got it down. But I'll find out here in a couple of weeks. I, I believe in you.
1: I think you can. I think you so can. For present. anybody.
0: Oh, I'm, and actually, side note. Um, anybody that's going to the Fantasy Expo that's going to be up in Canton here in a I'll few be there. months. I'll be there. Yeah, come find me. I've already been talking with uh Bob Lung uh, in the background about you know possibly having some Growlers you know hanging mm-hmm. out with me or, or you know and or around me like while I'm there. So mm-hmm. you know we can we can talk and imbibe a little bit like while we're near up, you, around yeah.
1: you, possibly in you, depending on the time of <laughs> night,
0: or all three. Um, I mean, would yeah, be any of those. <laughs> Things, yeah. Feel
3: free to drop by our table. Um, and, and well, I'm i to come find by, y'all I mean drop sure. by a couple of growlers. Oh, tanks, yes,
0: ma'am. Yeah, I'll be dropping by. I'll, I, will, I will be out in hunting for everybody. <laughs> I'm hyped
2: to try it. I'll, I'll be there.
4: I, I, was, I was about to say before you talked about the expo, how I feel like I need to try it now that you described it in such like beautiful detail.
0: Oh, it's, uh, it is, it is going to be on and popping at the expo. So, yeah, come find me.
1: I, bet. I think people will come find you with that sort of advertisement out there now. Uh, <laughs> wall now typically, of growlers. yeah <laughs> typically, this is the bar of the show. We would do a drunk trade of the week, but we want to get right into the good stuff. And also, we don't have any. So, dear listeners, submit more drunk trades for us to make fun pun of, please. And thank you. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go make another one. And don't nobody want that. So send in your submissions to at Drinking Fantasy on Twitter, please. And also, we have to say that this episode of Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football is brought to you by Monkey Knife Fights. We know that the NFL season is gone, and now the NFL draft is gone. But that just means that we're one step closer to actual NFL season action, and they have other sports there. It's not all football. So you like the basketball, you like the baseball, you like other ball sports, they probably have them all at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. And if you sign up using promo code DTFF, they will match your initial deposit up to $50. MonkeyNightFight.com, promo code DTFF. Go
2: do that. All right. Thank you, Jake. All right. Let's get into it here. We are going to start with the Ravens. Just because I happened to put them on the show sheet first here. So, um, boo! Go, no, wait, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you, you'll have your chance. Just you know, just, 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 just hold steady here. We'll let John go first and that's hold his Hold all team. your boos for. Half. <laughs> so, um, they they lost a couple of players. Uh, I know. I'm interested to hear uh, your thoughts on on impact here, but they lost Mark Ingram, Willie Snead rg3 and mr des bryant after that delightful comeback he had uh brought on sammy Watkins and some guy named chris moore um and then the draft which i really want to get into as well uh in the first round took rashad bateman and the fourth tylen wallace so obviously they felt like they needed to show up their wide receiving core and then uh a fullback uh which is obviously what every team needs in the nfl these days uh in the fifth uh by the name of Ben Mason. So um, why don't we start with just your overall thoughts on where the team is, um, some of the moves they made this offseason. Let, let's just start there.
4: Me? I'm assuming since I'm the Ravens guy?
2: Yeah, absolutely Smurfly. Smurfly. Uh,
4: yeah, I, you know what? I, I think one thing I, I really noticed from this draft and really the last few drafts is I, I just love how good the Ravens are at value drafting. It feels like, uh, you know, at least the last few years, every time, like, they might not go the player that I think that they're going to go with, but uh, you know, it always feels like they go with a player who should have gone higher. Uh, and I think that they did that in this draft. Uh, I love seeing them focus on wide receiver. I, I'm sure we're going to get into it here in a minute uh, on whether that is actually, uh, you know, going to pan out for them. Right? They they drafted Bateman in the first. Like you said, Tylen Wallace. Uh, I know a lot of people are down on that landing spot, but I'm optimistic. I think taking this out of a fantasy contest context. context uh, I think the Ravens have a have a good shot to to be a top NFL team this year.
1: I can't disagree with you there,
4: if only because they added
1: Sammy Watkins. Doesn't that make I mean them that's, immediate all <laughs> that's all you need? That's
4: all you need.
1: I truly, I'm assuming when you're talking about like value drafting, Tylen Wallace is somebody people expected to definitely go in earlier rounds, and he's sitting there yeah. in the fourth. I don't know if anybody in fantasy wanted him to go there, but it must no. feel good as a, a Ravens fan to get him.
4: Yeah, and you know, Owe, they got uh, that was great. Um, Bateman, in my opinion, probably should have went higher. Uh, and so I, I I was very happy with it with their draft this year. And I think you know if, if Lamar can can take that leap in in passing efficiency this year, uh, then it's potentially a, a going to be a great landing spot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Lamar, uh, he had a after his breakout season a couple years ago, had had what people would consider a down year last year, where we didn't see that high efficiency, high touchdown total from him. Do you see a bit of a rebound coming this season, uh, considering they added these these offensive weapons for him, or is it going to be just continue the ground and pound, and he's going to get his uh, make his hay on the, on the ground?
4: I think that you know they're showing us that they want to focus on the on the on the pass game, right? At least somewhat. We I don't anticipate that they're going to make this this grand shift, uh, you know that we, that we've seen from you know maybe like a team like the Bills or the Titans, but they're they're showing us by spending their draft capital on wide receivers that uh, they at least want to throw more. Uh, I was I forget the stat exactly, but I think uh, I mean I, Lamar Jackson has thrown the ball, you know throw, thrown the ball I think the least out of uh, or the Ravens have thrown the ball the least out of any NFL team. Uh, and I think that the biggest thing for him is going to be if they can shift to like some more, I guess, if, if he can take a leap in his accuracy and his efficiency, then he's uh, having those those uh, pass cap- catching options
2: is only going to be good for him. Mm-hmm. So and I'll I'll throw this out for everyone here for redraft this next season. Uh, would you draft him in what? Top five quarterbacks off the board and redraft? Yeah
4: probably not maybe maybe like right outside the top 5
2: okay
3: see i think the better question that like i i want to know is what like do you feel comfortable taking him cuz he was one of the few quarterbacks that we were allowing ourselves to draft early so is is he like outside of where would you you put him like is there anybody that's comfortable drafting lamar jackson in the first 5 rounds anymore
1: in Are we still minute? taking
3: that dive?
1: As yeah. somebody who doesn't feel comfortable drafting any quarterbacks early anymore, I'm firmly <laughs> out on that. No, Chris, am I, you
0: I, would. Yeah. Am I, am, I, am, I, am I wrong in saying that? I, well, I guess it just depends on the uh, – and I'm thinking about this from the context of – well, not even just best ball, because I know that's kind of a cop-out and saying, like, oh, I'm just dropping the best ball. But I do think that there's something to be said, though, for – uh, looking at what Lamar Jackson like still brings as as a rusher, because when it if you're looking at the rest of the quarterbacks that are typically being drafted around him, uh, if you I mean because I'm thinking like when the first five rounds like by that point uh, from a fifth uh, for the fifth round, but Josh Allen's typically gone, Patrick Mahomes is already gone, Kyler Murray's already gone, so you're really looking at uh, what Dak Prescott uh, and like somewhere around there, so. QB5, QB6 for a guy that's, I mean, that's basically wound up similar in terms of like a points per game output. That's not a bad ranking for him. So I still think that there's a justification to be made, like for in order, if, if you do subscribe to the early round drafting, that it does make some sense in order to continue to put him up, uh, at that, uh, in, at that tier with some of the other guys. He still has the rushing upside, like while, We've seen the Baltimore Ravens offense that kind of yo-yoed in terms of offensive efficiency. I think they were first or second in terms of uh, offensive yards per game, according to Football Outsiders, back in 2019, uh, 2020. They dropped back to like 18th or 19th. So my my assumption is that even though that they've sat at like 32nd in terms of neutral passing rate, like two years straight, just complete bottom of the barrel, the draft capital they spent at wide receivers – and these are actually wide receivers on a like quick study that I uh, that had done for uh, for NBC, looking at where the wide receivers they drafted win and comparing them to the wide receivers that they currently have now. It meets a deficiency that they currently have within their offense because Tylan Wallace, Rashad Bateman, both those guys are, they excel at some of those intermediate routes like out digs, curls, like something like that. And that has been almost, uh, not necessarily historically, but for Lamar Jackson's tenure, where the receivers that he's currently, like he's been working with, they fail at. I mean, for the routes that he uh, that he typically throws to, I mean, in terms of uh, expected points added, EPA per play, it's he's absolute worst, like for those specific route combinations. So I think there's something to be said for if Lamar continues to do what he does in terms of rushing, we can tack on a little bit more volume. His efficiency picks up at least more so than it was in 2020 then where he's being drafted at, I, I think, meets at least what I think would uh, would be my expectation for him uh, in, in 2021, for sure.
1: Well, that's kind of one question that I have about all this. So 2,000-yard rushing seasons for Lamar the last two years. Do we expect him to hit that? What is an outrageous mark for a quarterback? 1,000 yards is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Do we expect him to hit that again? and do we expect I mean what do we expect out of the rushing game entirely himself included but also JK dobbins does does Lamar get a thousand does Dobbins get a thousand does Dobbins finish inside this top ten running backs overall I mean what are we expecting from the ground game I guess uh in in Baltimore there
4: yeah I think uh, i I think Lamar will always rely on his legs uh you know when I was at Clemson uh, we had the the Nice honor of playing Lamar every year, and so I got to watch uh, you know many of his games in college, and I think that's he's that type of player, uh, and and he's gonna rely on his legs when when his uh, when his reads aren't there. I could see it being tempered. I wouldn't expect it, I guess, even with the, the pass catch, catching options there, and I think they're still gonna be somewhat run heavy. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect like a swing to all of a sudden be a pass pass heavy uh, offense.
0: Yeah, I think that makes the most sense to me. I think in in the red zone, I think Lamar had wound up leading the team throughout most of the season, if I'm not mistaken, over the last like four to six games, somewhere around there. I think J.K. Dobbins did start to take a larger role in terms of those money touches that we want for our running backs. But either way, if Lamar Jackson is still getting, I would say the not even the majority, but at least a significant amount of the red zone touches, still putting, uh, still tacking on. Uh, rushing TDs to go with the passing TDs, which is what we want out of a Konami Code quarterback, then I still think that he can wind up making value along with guys like J.K. Dobbins. But for me personally, I think Dobbins is a little bit... Uh, he's overdrafted or overvalued currently, just given the context of what other running backs are currently being drafted around him. That's all. Still yeah, love think, him as a talent. Got to show my Ohio State bias, but still. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, uh, I think uh, I think this whole like focus and, and ha- adding more options there who are uh, viable... Really, like the, the player that most worries me is, is Mark Andrews. Since they funnel so much of the passing game through Mark Andrews, uh, you know, in the past, they have. He's the one who I'd be most worried about things changing for. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried about Dobbins uh, or Lamar as much.
0: You're not worried about, Myles Boykin? On, no. worried about <laughs> Miles Boykin? Come on. I'm a little worried about Miles <laughs> Boykin.
4: Who isn't, quite
1: frankly? Uh, Kate, do you think Mark Andrews sneaks inside the top five tight ends still?
3: I think based on uh, basically just his overall like touchdown scoring efficiency, he is going to wind up in the top five. And it, if nothing else, purely because of the fact that we don't have a ton of options that I think are going to get uh, just naturally funneled those targets in the end zone. He's still, um, I mean, despite the fact that they did, yes, they drafted two wide receivers who I think are. Uh, both talented wide receivers, I think Rashad Bateman does uh, profile as one of the the better fits in terms of, uh, you know, when you're looking who has the potential there to be a number one guy. I think Rashad Bateman definitely is the one that I would profile uh, to fit that. But it's not like they went out and got him like a Kenny Galladay, right? Like they didn't get him anyone that I think is necessarily going to dominate right out of the gate. Uh, if Rashad Bateman does dominate, I think it's going to take him a little bit more time. Um, I, I just think he's still a natural fit for the bulk of the target share. Um, I, I would put him as a lock still to lead the Baltimore Ravens in targets, and, and he's he's going to finish just fine in fantasy uh, for the 2021 season.
4: Yeah, I will say I, I am a little excited to see uh, what Marquise Brown can do now that he is like, returning to that sort of like stretch C role that he you know typically plays in. Uh, now that that Bateman, they have they have other options there to, to open it up. It's not all reliant on him. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that his, that he's able to. I, I don't think he's necessarily like yes, he's been disappointing for fantasy, but I think a lot of that is, is situation and and what that offense has had to work with. So I'm hoping that with some more options there that he's able to create some opportunity
2: yeah so if if y'all had to pick one wide receiver out of this group to be fantasy relevant this year who would you pick
4: out of the wide receivers you said
2: yeah yeah just the wide receivers
4: this feels like sophie's choice (laughs) (laughs)
1: does anybody honestly want any of them is maybe even a better question i'll say
0: of all of them give me the cheapest one i'll take bateman
1: you think he'll be the cheapest in terms of redraft ADP too? Yeah, Miles Borgins going
2: up.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if we're counting them, that's true. I did bring him up earlier, so that's a fair point. I'd say out of the out of the more fantasy relevant ones, I do think that Bateman will probably be the and to Kate's point, I, I think he'll definitely have like the the greater target share just given the routes that he runs. So, if we're already talking about an offense that is limited in terms of passing volume, give me the guy that's going to get the most of it, and I think it's going to wind up being Bateman.
1: Mm-hmm. JL thoughts?
4: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think Bateman is that that prototypical, uh, you know, big big wide receiver that you want. Uh, I believe in his talent. I think if uh, if they're able to to if Lamar is able to take that leap in efficiency, then Bateman's gonna be in a really good position. He's gonna be a great value, in my opinion, for uh, fantasy players.
0: I think like Bateman is gonna be the guy that you would want to draft in uh, in redraft leagues. Uh, Marquise Brown is probably gonna be that dude that you stack in like a milli lineup in DFS.
1: Interesting. Kate, would you take Bateman over the great Sammy Watkins? <laughs> and what's your dog? Uh,
3: I would. I think honestly, you really do have to go with whatever whatever guy is going to be the cheapest come redraft season. Because i I don't think we're going to be able to rely on any of these guys. Like I said, if they had gone out and made maybe more of an effort in free agency to go and get a like a veteran receiver who is going to uh, like God, if they traded for Julio Jones, that would totally flip the script
2: uh, obviously
3: in terms of cal- caliber talent, but um just in terms of what they're going to do from a narrative perspective, I know they say they want to pass the ball more, but I don't think any of these receiving options force them to do so. uh so yeah, I'll I'll take whichever option has the lowest ADP uh come come draft season and and just roll the dice but I don't think any of these guys are going to be weekly plugins for your fantasy lineup. My dog Um,
2: agrees. (laughs) All right. um, Any last thoughts on your Ravens here before we move on jail?
4: No, I mean, I I, I have tempered expectations or maybe the tempered optimism is the right term. Uh, You know, I'm I'm hopeful and just from an NFL perspective, I'm excited. Uh, Obviously I, I would love for, for many of my Ravens players to be, you know, fantasy all-stars, but we got what we got. You know, we're used to disappointment by this point. (laughs)
2: That's (laughs) the tagline to the episode. (laughs) We had Blacko for so long. (laughs) All right, let's move on to Cincinnati then and uh, Chris here. Uh, So, looks like the Bengals, they brought in big name Samaj P. Ryan in the offseason to replace that loss of Gio Bernard um, also leaving via free agency AJ Green and John Ross and Alex Erickson and then for the draft uh, Joe Burrow he got his guy Jamar Chase uh, in the first round and then picked up Captain America there in the sixth round uh, with Chris (laughs) Evans so uh, why don't you give us your initial thoughts here uh, about free agency in the offseason and uh, where your team is, is heading so far.
0: Well, I mean, free agency was definitely a bummer. Uh, if y'all go and check my, the, uh, my Twitter profile, my banner actually has like AJ green, like in, in the picture for it. Cause I've loved watching him other than, uh, watching Chad, uh, Chad Johnson play back when I was, a, I was living in Cincinnati, uh, at the time during college, like when Chad Johnson, he was just all the rage. Um, Quick side story. Uh my buddies were at a La Rosa's pizza down in Cincinnati. Ocho Cinco comes in the back, dons a uh um, a La Rosa's like uh, uniform, snags somebody's name tag that's named Chad, and was walking around serving pizzas to everybody and took everybody about 20 minutes before before they knew it was him. He was oh a cool God. dude.
2: Amazing. He was like he was like one of my <laughs> he
0: was one of my favorite, um favorite receivers to watch in the game. I mean, I don't care what you say about all the you know the gold teeth Ocho Cinco thing or whatever. Um uh, but A.J. Green coming in right after him, I mean, was just the absolute shift in like character, personality. And I think the Bengals wound up doing a dirty man. Uh, I'm just so I was so distraught over the fact that like, this is how they're going to treat a receiver that if not for just the the poor decision making that the franchise has made over the years. I mean, they've essentially wasted what I thought could have been a Hall of Fame career for for like for that receiver. I mean, A.J., I mean, how many? thousand yard seasons they have in a row prior to getting hurt because they you know because of you know the poor play they put in front of him and so it's just don't even get me started either way uh I'm, I'm hoping he has um like this is my bias creeping in but I think he has some juice I'm hoping he's of use to Kyler Murray down in Arizona and I hope he retires happy I'll just leave it at that uh, but in the draft, I was actually talking, uh, like, not the name drop or anything. I was talking with uh, with Sigmund Bloom. Uh, I was on their draft show at the time, so talking with like him and Matt Waldman, uh, and uh, and Jason Wood, uh, all those guys. Triple name him. drop, by the way. Oh like yeah, I mean all, all, I mean, not all cool names dudes. All, all I don't want to name drop, but here are three of them. All right. Oh, uh, Rod
1: uh, was <laughs> hanging out in the background. It was great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but uh, I but I was trying to like like on air, like it's almost like doing math in public, but like trying to rationalize the pick, right? Because everybody's assuming that you know that the optimal pick was taking uh Penny Sewell. You know, they boost up the line, Burroughs got his ACL injury, and then they go out and, and get Jamar Chase. So I'm like trying to think through it, like, okay, well, what can this I mean, what can this possibly mean? Or why would the Bengals go out and do this? And at least in my mind, the thing that makes the most sense is they not even the whole AJ Green thing. I mean, while that's 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 a big part of it, but they had already taken T. Higgins the year beforehand, which I I, I thought absolute hit. Love the pick, great prospect, and I think he's going to be a good receiver in the league. You already have Tyler Boyd, hell of a slot receiver. I mean, and honestly, I think if he if he was forced to almost like Sterling Shepard, where he dominates in the slot but if you asked him to play outside i think he can operate outside but either way i mean a a dynamic duo i mean for for lack of a better term i mean in boyd and higgins but while sewell was the correct pick there's always to me in my mind making your strength stronger there's an argument to that like while it's not the same it's when dallas was provided with the opportunity to go ahead and take a lineman when they wound up taking cd lamb but now dallas already had an elite offensive line at the time period So really, it was more of a luxury pick for them to wind up taking CeeDee Lamb. But in my mind, again, it's like if you have a uh, dynamic quarterback, which they had with Dak, which Cincinnati has with Joe Burrow, which we've already seen or we had seen uh, in 2019, Zach Taylor, while I still think he's something of a fake coach, uh, but it's still like we looked at what they what they changed that offense becoming I think it was like top five in terms of neutral passing rate over the last couple of seasons Uh, top five or at least top six in terms of red zone passing rate in the past over the past couple of seasons that volume that we want from an offensive standpoint that's great and it was good when they started integrating T Higgins in the offense more great when they were hitting Tyler Boyd for 150 targets but that third wide receiver that's that's the part that they were missing so much and with Burrow being so comfortable operating out of three wide receiver sets. I mean, that was a part of that LSU offense when he just completely steamrolled. I mean, the entire college scene back in 2019, it just made sense to me that they would go out and get a receiver, not just any receiver. I mean, one of the best wide receiver prospects to come out since what, like Amari Cooper? I mean, you know, that they would go out and find somebody that could take on that third wide receiver role that could play that prototypical X receiver. I mean, dominate press man coverage. Uh, and essentially blow past whatever they could have had if they had tried to salvage things with AJ Green continue to trot out Auden Tate even though I am an Auden Tate stand. draft the hell Can out I of Auden Tate he's like classic. he's a good <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a good football player don't get me wrong i'm not no knock against Auden Tate but he ain't Jamar Chase sure <laughs> like he's not he's not going to do the same things that Jamar Chase is going to be able to provide you so i think if they're going to evolve this offense and Zach Taylor has already set up the offense in order to be this, you know, pass, pass, pass. I mean, early, I mean, early down neutral rate passing, I mean, 65 plus percent. Then I think this is their, their signal saying we're trying to put the pedal to the metal and let, and let's go. Now that puts the clock solely like, on, on, on Zach Taylor at this point. Cause what are they, uh, what three, they've got what like three wins, four wins since he took over as head coach. Uh, you, you can't really, I mean, to me, it's kind of bizarre that he's been able to make it so long without getting fired. So I would assume that unless the talent, the scheme, and the wins also come with this, then I would assume he'd be in the hot seat like afterwards. But from a, from a offensive standpoint, uh, even with the, they wound up taking that, uh, what a gamble on the uh, offensive tackle or the offensive lineman that they wound up taking in this, was it, when they traded back. And wind up getting that guy in the second round, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Jackson, Carmen.
0: Yeah, Carmen. A gamble. Yeah, a gamble in my opinion. But if they can you know, get something out of Riley Reef, Carmen comes along. I mean, it could work. And that offense could wind up lighting it up, assuming that, I mean, we already know that the wide receiver trio is there. Joe Mixon, 11% target share before he went down in week six. So we already know that he's going to be a large part of the offense. I mean, the the presser, I mean, was it that soundbite of they don't want him to leave the field? That's been just reverbing, you know, off of our echo chamber since that came out. So, I mean, the offense is primed to go, and they've got the pieces there. It's just now that they they really need to wind up putting all that together. And uh, But I don't see how that can happen with dominant defense in Baltimore. Old but still semi-dominant defense in uh, in Pittsburgh, and now a revamped and like killer offense in Cleveland. So it's they're they're already struggling in their division, but at least for fantasy purposes, I mean that's an offense that I'm totally buying in on. Like almost every single piece of that offense, I I want to get a piece of like throughout this offseason season into redraft season.
1: I am so with you on the offense mm-hmm. as a whole. It's the individual pieces I still have some questions about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dustin and I, it's not that we don't like Joe Mixon, like as a, as overall, <laughs> he's, sure. he's fine. Sure. Uh, and, and that's probably the biggest question I have about the offense. But since you brought up the wide receiver trio, I'm very curious about everybody's opinion on this. ADP wise for redraft. I'm assuming that Higgins and Chase will be fairly close together. Come they the redraft. They'll be, yeah. they'll probably stick that way. I'm guessing with Boyd being kind of the odd man out following a couple rounds. So, Considering the ADP, who would you rather have out of this group then? And I would love to go around the circle here. So, Chris, who would you want considering oh, ADP on out the of spot. this trio?
0: You're putting me on the spot. Um, I, I want the wide receiver one. I think it's going to be Jamar Chase. So hmm. give give me Jamar Chase. Uh, I mean, I don't even care about the – I mean, you heard me, like, basically sputter out sentence fragments for, like, five, six minutes on the entire offense, and not a once to really even talk about the fact that – Burrow and Chase were already connected throughout their collegiate career.
2: And it's just
0: all about the fact that what, how Burrow likes to operate, what Chase brings to that offense from a profile perspective, from an athleticism perspective. So I think that he is already head and shoulders above the current talent that's on that offense. So I'll take that wide receiver one in an offense that we know is going to be one of the highest passing offenses in the league. I'll, I'll take Chase like 10 times out of 10.
1: Right on. Now, Kate, we've sort of talked about this trio on the other podcast that shall not be named because Dustin gets upset when I talk about my mistresses on the show. But Kate, <laughs> the on other woman. based on ADP, would you rather have, I mean, assume, again, assuming Boyd falls, which I think he will, do you have a clear cut one out of that?
3: I'm going to take T. Higgins there. And we did we did touch on this. I'm so sorry to uh, like open up the bandage, but... I need to go back to this. So Joe Burrow, I I think all of these guys are going to have a very fine target share. Um, We looked back on our episode of the podcast that should not be named uh, just on how Burrow was distributing like his targets while he was actually on the field weeks one through 11 and the target distribution between Tyler Boyd, T Higgins and AJ Green was like almost dead. Even you had Tyler Boyd with 86 targets T. Higgins was 70. A.J. Green was 75. Of course, A.J. Green didn't really catch many of those, so that, that's a bummer for him. But, I mean, the fact that these targets were so evenly distributed, I think all of them are going to get a lot of opportunity. He's on pace for, uh, what, 646 pass attempts in, his, in the 11 games he was active. Um, so I'm going to take T. Higgins, who's the biggest guy, 6'4", 215 pounds, uh, I think he is going to hopefully command uh, a bit more in the red zone and end zone. He did uh, lead uh, outside. Uh, he did take over Tyler Boyd, uh, had two more end zone targets with Joe Burrow than Tyler Boyd did. I, I'm just going to roll with T, the big boy, and and hope he gets me uh, a lot of touchdowns because I think he's, he's going to be the go to guy in the red zone this year for me
1: see that cj uzama your time is done <laughs> this. Uh, if anybody like, was actually yeah thinking about tight ends like Justin, Campbell
0: i would like a word with you sir
1: Justin <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i've ever heard us have we even talked about this who is yours out of this group
2: uh i don't think you can go wrong with any of them to be honest but um I have a soft spot for Boyd, so I'd probably go with him um, a- as the aforementioned uh, Uzama, and we got Drew Sample. Uh, they don't really have a tight end that that's a really dominant pass catcher there for the middle of the field. So if Boyd gets moved over to the slot, and that's where he's going to work out of, he can really work the middle of the field. Um, so I think he could still get peppered with a lot of targets, and uh, you know, make gold there for you. And just with the draft capital, you can uh, get someone else, you know, a couple rounds sooner and still end up with a really great value there in Boyd.
1: JL, who would you take?
4: Uh, Anybody that knows me knows I have a soft spot for all my Clemson players. I got a strong Clemson bias. I love T. Higgins. Do we actually know their ADPs? Are they, are they, no. I think everything's fictional at this point in the off season, quite frankly, like it's going to move so <laughs> much. probably. Yeah. This topic has come up a lot on our, on daily show. And it's, I honestly think they deserve to be like, for what we know now, they deserve to be back to back. And I think it's going to be about who, which one you believe is, is more talented. I think there's certainly a compelling narrative with, uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar chase in that rapport, like Chris was saying. Uh, I, I really do believe in that. I think that has a, has an effect. Um, and I think I would take Jamar Chase for the upside. I, my, I, I have a hunch that he's going like a little bit later than T. Higgins right now uh, in, in startup drafts. But I would probably take whichever one, uh, you know, whichever one goes second out of those two.
0: Fair enough. Take the ADP dip. Mm-hmm.
4: Take the ADP dip. I love both of them.
0: I think that's absolutely fair. I think, well, to both of, I mean, to your point, uh, Kate, and what you were kind of touching on uh, earlier, John, regarding T. Higgins' usage, um, I mean, the volume distribution, almost flat like between all three of them. The one thing I did find interesting though was uh Higgins like I don't want to say like evolution, but just the way that his usage pattern started to change like over over his rookie season. So I think through the first uh like uh eight or nine weeks, uh his A dot was actually much higher. So around like a 13 14 like A dot. But then towards the back end of the season, like even though they didn't have Joe Burrow at that point and they were, you know, trying to you know futz around with uh oh what was the guy's name? Uh, who was the backup that started that started for the Bengals? Um Man, I cannot remember Ryan, his name. Uh,
1: something, right?
0: Yeah. Um, Ryan Finley? Finley. Finley, Finley thank Finley, you. you. I was like, couldn't even remember the dude's name. He made me so upset. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but actually, Higgins ADOT actually dropped, I think, down to about 10.511, which... Around like 10, 11, that's uh, actually kind of typical for alpha wide receivers. Like their A dot fluctuates because their route patterns are more diverse, right? They're not as running as many like deeper patterns. They're running some of those shorter, like shorter patterns and whatnot. So we could see that T Higgins also has that ability to run a more developed route tree, as you saw, like his A dot start to start to drop. So from a talent perspective, I mean, Higgins shows that he has most of the tools already in his bag to operate as the Bengals wide receiver one. It's just me. I'm inserting my own bias and saying that, like, I like Chase because you know he's one of the best wide receiver prospects of all time, and my team got him, so I have to vote for. I have to vote for Chase. But I do think that there's a strong case for for Higgins for sure.
4: I was full Mm -hmm. like like before the draft. I was like Bengals should go Sewell. You know, it's a smart move. And then afterwards, I was thinking like it's a deep you know deep offensive line draft. I think I would probably take Chase too. Like you're just not going to get that type of playmaker i was fine
0: with them taking chase but i didn't understand why they decided to trade back yeah that that was the two like the carmen pick which yeah the carmen pick was it was fine but when they passed up on oh man i forget i forget who they wanted to pass it on tevin jenkins
4: fell yeah i think i mean
0: they were a bunch of better like safer prospects like if they wanted to take chase at, at five so it's like ah i mean but coulda woulda shoulda it's a gamble it could still possibly work out i'm being as optimistic as possible I mean, I've, we've been through this disappointment, however many years that I've been a, ba- a fan of the Bengals, from the Jeremy Hill fumble <laughs> all the way up to now. <laughs> I mean that's I but, love every team has
1: just like sent just little phrases that you're yeah, like little triggers. everybody can latch onto like I, like just Brandon Bostick, just say the name Brandon Bostic and Oh then there's <laughs> like you to yeah, like do
0: you have to do a collective woosah like when you when you yeah. hear that name. And mm-hmm. so like when I see Joey Porter's face so it's just like I have to mm, <laughs> really, really, really calm down like real quick. Right, Speaking of nice. running
1: backs though, Jeremy Hill, just real quick before we get out of this and if we can move on to the Steelers cuz of course we want to talk about other teams, but but Joe Mixon, is he an RB one? Is he not? I just want a quick yes or no from everybody. Is he an RB1 this year or no? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Two Yes. Nope. Okay. nope. Yay, nay. Nope.
2: Nope. No. Nope. Two nope. nopes.
1: <laughs> two yes. And I'm gonna say I hope everybody's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Pop out. laughs> uh, I think he's a, he's
1: a fringe RB one, but he's not gonna get into the top 12. So that's all nice. right that's, that's
0: a cheap. I think that's a fair statement for sure. Yeah. Did The dogs vote. Oh, yeah. The dogs get a vote.
3: Uh, the dogs voted hell no, actually.
0: Oh, that's that's <laughs> I know mighty who convenient, swear, but they said hell that's, no. oh, wow. that's mighty convenient, right there. <laughs> <laughs> no
2: diplomacy, <We're>
3: Steelers fans.
2: <laughs> All right, um, let's move on then. Of uh, to of the Steelers here. Um, so top of the division at, at 12 and 4, although a hotly contested division, I, I will say. Um, so you lost James Conner here in the off season, uh, re-signed Juju and then brought in big name, Kalen uh Woo! and then big name in the first round. I think everybody expected this landing spot with Najee Harris and then uh, picked up a tight end in the second round with Pat Friermuth. So um, thoughts on your Steelers?
3: I'm actually super stoked. And I, I have been feeling really gross about this just because it, I know I'm not supposed to be excited about a first round running back. Leave me alone. I just want my Najee Harris jersey and I I want to sleep in it every single night. Um, it, you just have to absolutely love it. Like you look at Jamar Chase and I think, uh, you know, you, you look at a playmaker and a, just a difference maker and that's the kind of player you get with him. And I think Najee Harris is the same way. I think Kyle Pitts is the same way. Um, I, I'm really excited because I think even if uh, even if you're not giving the Steelers any credit on the offensive line, I mean, Najee Harris is just going to be absolutely fed the rock a million times. Uh, I mean, we saw when when James Conner was healthy uh, weeks two through uh, 11 when he had snaps, uh, when he was just playing more than 50 percent of snaps, he was on pace for like 18 touches a game. That's what Najee Harris is going to get, and he's going to he's going to be fed the ball. He's it, like I think it's sort of a consensus belief, Uh, and if it's not, sue me. Uh, Najee Harris is a better running back than James Conner. Hot stuff. I know
2: <laughs> whoa, uh, whoa, whoa.
3: he's going to do just just fine. I think Najee Harris is a an RB one, Um, and you got to look at the fantasy production from that wide receiver core. They ranked fourth overall in wide receiver, uh, fantasy point production. Um, but that's just nothing but good. I don't think they're going to, uh, I don't think they're going to have a, a big swing there because of this offensive line. Like everybody thinks I think Pat Fryermuth can be, uh, an immediate impact blocker. Um, I think that's probably the the most useful way they're going to, to get him onto the field quickly. Um, I just think that we're not giving them enough credit Uh, Villanueva. He is, he has departed to your Ravens. God bless because he allowed, I think it was the fifth most pressures in the league last year. He was a big part of that uh, teetering offensive line. So uh, get Kendrick green in there. If you put him at center, maybe Um, he, he was one of the best run blockers per PFF. If you were looking by position, um, I think the Steelers are going to be a very productive option for fantasy managers, and if you can if you can reap some of that benefit because of the the fear of the offensive line, please all day I'll take it.
1: That feels directed at me. I was very nervous still about the offensive line, <laughs> and I think it's just hard to like get your head wrapped around it because. You have to probably just assume the Steelers is going to be a different type of offense than what they were last year overall, just because it was so weird and like they're throwing as their running game like three yards out. Basically, Ben is just kind of like shovel passing to everybody um, <laughs> like the old Philip Rivers days. But, this hey, but does... even with
3: those shovel passes, the fourth most uh, fantasy points scored for the wide receiver position in the league. That's that's top five. That's good. That's good stuff.
1: Speaking of those receivers, we have two sets of trios in this division that I really wanted to gauge everybody on. We talked about the Bengals. We have to talk about the Steelers. So trio here, we've got the returning Juju. We've got Chase. And we've got Deontay, quote, drops Johnson. So depending on how much stake you put into that sort of thing. So again, assuming, I don't know, we don't know what ADP is truly going to be, but anybody have a favorite out of that bunch immediately for redraft purposes?
3: Deontay Johnson. He's he's a lock for 150 targets. I mean, if you just look at his target share, the fact that he's not being drafted as a wide receiver one, uh, particularly in PPR formats, um, if you're concerned about the drops, I don't think there should be an issue there. Uh, saw a really interesting tweet. We were doing uh, an appearance on the FF Astronauts podcast, talking to their PT there, and uh, they noted about you know just the the correlation there with Deontay Johnson's concussion. He had a pretty bad concussion last year. Most of the drops came afterwards, um, and and just the the correlation there between the the spatial uh, spatial issues that can sort of happen as a symptom of concussions and. Through the recovery process, um, it, it sounds like from a, a physical therapy standpoint, we were pretty excited about uh, just his overall prospect of recovery. But um, I mean, Deontay Johnson—he started 13 games, and I mean, you have to remember he was on and off the field all last season. Still left the the NF, or still left his year in 2020 with 144 targets. That's bonkers, bananas. Uh, played 88% or uh, never mind. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, but he, he kept coming off the field week three, came off the field after 24% of snaps. Week uh, five, after 8% of the snaps. You're looking at all of these inactives here and, and the time he spent off the field, and he still ate up that kind of target share. He needs to be a wide receiver one in PPR formats. Indisputable.
1: Dustin, are you going to dispute this? Would you I rather would. have Deontay?
2: Um, I don't know. This this one's tougher. I feel like than than the, the Bengals one. Um, I, I I can get on board with uh uh what Kate's saying there. Um, so I'm I'm in on that. I'll I'll, I'll do what she says. <laughs> that's a solid no, so process. though no. that's a that's solid That's what process, my wife says. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what? Uh, so why are we down on Juju then?
1: Is anybody actually down on Juju or is that a narrative that is out there right now? Of like, cause, he returned, the Cause he returned. Cause he returned. I think people wanted him to go to maybe a better landing spot for him where he'd get fed a little bit more. Mm-hmm. JL, are you down on Juju this year or do you feel like you're going to have him where you can?
4: I'm, I'm realistic on Juju. I don't, I don't know that enough is changing to expect like a huge difference, but I do believe in Juju's talent. I think in dynasty, you know, when, when, when Kate was talking about uh, Deontay Johnson, Juju and I was contemplating this question, I was thinking in dynasty, I'd probably rather have Juju just cause I, I would expect him to be on a new team next year. I said that this year. So, you know, things might change. Uh, but I, in redraft, I don't know. I think I would be more excited to have Deontay. Uh, I feel like there's, there's more, it's more of the same. And so I would expect him to, to, to hopefully uh, take the jump and and get past these, uh, you know, the, the injury concerns and, uh, I think I think they're both very talented.
0: I think my issue my issue with Juju is just is his uh, not necessarily his target share. I mean, that might fluctuate from week to week, but what's his uh like what's his a dot going to look like uh, if you look at like his progression over the past like few seasons, his a dot has like slowly kind of kicked back uh, last season it was down to what like five and a half something like that. I mean, not to sh- not to throw any shade at Eric Ebron, but Eric Ebron was the one that was taking some of those like downfield targets away from a guy like Juju. So if we already came into this thinking that Juju mans the slot, well then okay, then he should get the requisite target share to justify like him being a, a slot receiver all the time, kind of like Tyler Boyd, where he's getting the targets, and we know he's going to be a large part of that offense. With Juju, that's that's not the case. I mean, Eric Ebron was taking some of those like red zone targets. And then we already talked about Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool also like working within the red zone. So it's just, while I think the target share, like the overall target share might be there for Juju. It's just, where is that? Like where are the money touch is going to come from. That would justify me really wanting to buy in on him. And if their ADPs are relatively close, I would rather take the, like for like the more certain shot on Deontay Johnson uh, I'll take a swing for the fences, which chase uh, Chase Claypool. But then afterwards, I mean, sure, I'll, I'll get I'll get Juju possibly at cost, but he's just he's fine. Like for a slot receiver, he's he's fine. I think out of all the slot receivers in the AFC North, he's the guy I'd probably want the least because we just we just know that he's just kind of a ho hum. I'll get my eight nine targets, maybe a couple of Renzo targets, and then call it a day. It's not like Tyler Boyd where he could get peppered with 10 to 15 targets in a, any single game. It's not like Jarvis Landry, who the guy could actually throw for a touchdown, much less, I mean, you know, almost as easily as he could catch a touchdown. So it's like out of all those guys, it's like I would rather just, uh, you know, I'd rather just take the other two primary wide receivers into the Steelers offense.
1: I appreciate the Jarvis love.
3: I want to make I want to make one case for Juju. Give it to them, um, and, and like we can, we can maybe just apply this to Dynasty because he's 24 years old and he's a a young baby bird who's been he's been a wide receiver one before. But um, I pulled up some of these stats. I tweeted about this, so this may sound familiar to you if you've seen the tweet. In 2020, he was a wide receiver 22, which actually was better than I had that in my head, like much much better because uh, it felt like he was a lot worse than that. Uh, had 97 receptions, ranked seventh most among wide receivers, nine touchdowns, 11th most among wide receivers, 404 yards after the catch, ranked 13th among wide receivers, which four fewer yards after the catch than Amari Cooper and 24 fewer than Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, 46% contested catch rate. He tied Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. Really, the biggest knock is, is the A dot, but we can, I think, apply that to virtually any of these receiving options in Pittsburgh, I think Chase Claypool would uh, probably be like my last pick here. But I I think that, you know, we're, we're definitely looking, I I'm hoping at a better season, you know, another year removed from Roethlisberger surgery. I'm hoping he's going to throw the ball a bit more, but we always forget uh, he got injured in that. I I think it was the Dallas game uh, had two, MCL injuries, one in each knee. And that was when Mm. they really like dialed, dialed up the the play speed. Uh, and they, they started throwing even closer to the line than they were before, right when that happened. And I think it was just, you know, one of those things when you know the the offensive line is struggling, don't let the play develop, just get the ball out of his hand so he doesn't get hit. Um, I I think Juju is going to have a better season than we're giving him credit for, but I, Maybe I'm maybe I'm just the biased Steelers fan. This, <laughs> is, what I'm doing
4: for that, right? this is your time to shine. Yeah, that's this right. This is exactly why you're here. <laughs> I'm kinda I'm kinda with that take though, because I, I feel like Juju's the type of player that he's not gonna be like a DeAndre Hopkins who's just gonna probably be like effective in, in almost any system. I think it, it's really gonna and I know this is like more narrative, so take it for what it's worth. Uh but uh you know, we've seen him succeed uh when when the environment was was conducive to that for him. Uh and I just I, I don't think that it was conducive last year. I think it was, you know, uh, just like Kate said, it wasn't great uh, for for helping him thrive. I don't know that that's going to change that much this year. I hope it does, especially with Najee and, and hopefully, uh, you know, at adding some, some offensive line talent. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm expecting big Ben to kind of return to form a little bit this year. I think that injury, he wasn't fully recovered from it last year. Um, so, so I'm expecting a bit of a rebound from him. I'm not expecting, um, you know, maybe Ben that we're used to, you know, five years ago per se, but I uh, will definitely think we're going to see a bump from last season. So that should help, you know, everybody on that offense.
4: So you're drafting Big Ben over Josh Allen, is what you're telling me? Mm Mm-hmm. That's what you got to do. I'm
1: not letting him get on the first round, (laughs) personally. (laughs) Take him
0: him over Lamar Jackson for sure. Of course. That's
3: the official (laughs) advice of Uh Mm TFF. That's
2: right. Mm
1: -hmm. Change it to the podcast title, Dustin.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got one more team to cover here. Uh, The team that is not represented in this group. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the Browns. Uh, that, that finished third overall, uh, which is a uh, little misleading since they were 11-5, so you got to give them some credit. Uh, uh, they did, uh, looks like they're starting to turn things around here, uh, finally, after all the years of sadness for them. So uh, as far as free agency, um, no notable losses to speak of. Uh, weren't very active in free agency. Um, they have Rashard Higgins they brought back. Yeah. Uh, and then the draft, they, they, uh, took the wide receiver, uh, in the third of Anthony Schwartz and then a wide receiver in the six, uh, Demetric. Dim, yeah. Did I say that right? Demetric Felton. Um, sorry. I, I apologize if you're listening to the podcast and I butchered your name. So, um, uh, don't at me, please, sir. Um, so Cleveland, as I said, we we've, feels like they they started to turn things around, uh, especially kind of the second half of the season. I know they had new coaching staff last year, um, so I feel like it kind of took them a little bit to find their rhythm, and it seemed to coincide when OBJ uh, was out for the season uh, after his injury. Uh, I don't know if that was just coincidence, um, if, if Baker felt like he didn't have to force feed uh, OBJ and get him the damn ball. Uh, so he was able to play more his style and spread it around a little bit more. Uh, what do you all think about that, JL, Let's start does with Does
1: OBJ come back? Yeah, does OBJ come back? That's what I want to know.
2: <laughs> he oh God.
4: Uh, I hope I w- so. I would love for that to happen. I I don't know. I don't know that it's probable. I think that I think he comes back from where he is now, at least in like fantasy relevance. Uh, I think I think he he should have at least. Uh, a good season or part of a season, whether that's this year or the following year. I don't, I'm, I feel like I'm done hoping for that though. I feel like a lot of fantasy managers are, are feeling that.
1: I cannot let go entirely this year. Chris, are you letting go or do you have any hope?
0: Oh, yeah. I've got, I've got hope. I mean, we don't, we don't like good wide receivers anymore. Like that's, that's not a thing. <laughs> we don't, we Remember don't like all them? those good seasons he had? It's not even about like uh, like how he was historically, but it's what he could be like in, in that offense. The talent, yeah, yeah, from from a talent perspective, but also from a usage perspective, because if you look at like how he was used over what the first what six weeks, he went down to what week seven, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, his a dot was like 13, 14. I mean, he was being used like down the field. It was not the same way that he was being used in the giants offense where it was, I mean, a more diverse route tree. So if you're pigeonholing, uh, a talent like Oda Beckham into this deep threat of a receiver with a quarterback who that was actually one of, uh, like not to say his weakness, but he wasn't as great of a deep ball passer coming out of college. But, and also being put into a system that, uh, I mean, Kevin Stefanski, what, 31st, 32nd in terms of neutral passing rate when uh, he was still a part of Minnesota Vikings. And then in the first five to six weeks, I mean, it was almost the exact same thing as we saw uh, out of Minnesota's offense. So it was a offense with less passing volume. Odo Beckham was being used as a deep threat, not really as an alpha wide receiver within his offense it kind of to me it just kind of made sense that that was the production that we got but then when you fast when you fast forward to the past, like the last like 4 to 5 weeks of the season so after like those crazy win games and all the rest of that stuff like that happened in weeks like 10 through 13 that's when we started seeing the offensive efficiency starting to pick up that's where we started to see a guy like Rashard higgins who again not to, not to throw shade at that higgins but he was operating with a shorter like with a less a smaller a dot almost as if that would be the role that they had envisioned for Odell Beckham. So if we don't think that Odell Beckham can beat out Rashard Higgins in an offense, then yes, his time is done. But I think if Beckham comes back and operates in that role alongside Jarvis Landry, then I think he can be at least, he's not going to be like that elite wide receiver one. I'm not putting him up there with Adams Hill and all the rest of those guys. But for where he's going in best ball drafts and all that, I think it's it's well worth well worth the cost given the talent that we know he has and with an offense that at least for all intents and purposes I don't think it should be a hot take at all they really did take the chiefs like I mean to the, I mean, not not all the way down to the wire but they gave him a run for their money so I think that that offense is moving in the right direction so I'd want a piece of it and I think Odell's going to be their wide receiver one
4: great value in, in fantasy. Leagues.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes me happy. That makes me feel good about the times that I have OBJ on my teams. Kate, hey, are you going to dampen my hopes here for OBJ? Or can you boast for that? <laughs>
3: no, I'm I'm all in on, on OBJ. Not all in, but especially at the current price, it's very hard not to be in on OBJ. Um, my wife and I argue about this, like, incessantly obj is still obj i mean he he tore his ACL last year and and like chris said um it felt like things were sort of turning the corner um obviously you look back at 2019 wasn't exactly what you would want but again a first season with a new quarterback new offense um new everything and then last season you have a new head coach who was uh really looking to to build the identity of his team and i think Baker Mayfield, I, I think we've seen him evolve a little bit as as an NFL quarterback. I think taking away the option of OBJ did force him to, you know, progress through his reads and actually, uh, you know, maybe make some more decisions. I think, you know, I, I don't know if it was the ease of just tossing up the ball and and you know knowing that you're throwing to OBJ, like of course you you trust him, uh, you want him to to catch the balls you want to throw them deep. Um I just think that we're we're forgetting just how elite this wide receiver is and if he's uh if he's healthy coming into the season, I see no reason that we should really buy into the narrative that they're better with or without cuz they I mean we don't really know. They were still finding their identity and I mean Chris you said it, they were really giving the Chiefs like it, they were basically one play away I think from altering history. I, I think mm-hmm. they could have beat the Chiefs. I realistically think they were they were pretty dang close. And if that one, well, it was the fumble through the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that one play, I think, really just flipped the script. I think they could have walked away with a win. And they, they looked like the better team for me in that game. I want a piece. And I think uh, OBJ is going to be probably one of the cheapest options in that offense and they're gonna score some points. I'll take it.
2: Mm-hmm. So seeing how you think they're gonna score uh points this season, Baker fringe, QB1 this season. Let me believe I want it.
0: I I but well, I don't know if fringe fringe QB one, sure. If you're drafting them in the like QB essentially where we were taking like Kirk Cousins over the last like couple of years. So in like QB 14, QB15 range with random weekly shots at a qb1 performance i mean heck over the last was it the last like month of the season baker was top four top five i mean he had like a number of qb1 weeks to to round out the regular season and with the uh the cleveland's offense being i think you were like sixth or seventh in terms of epa per play over that last month of the season i mean it's just i think with baker not necessarily being a runner but he can scramble with the best of them I think there's at least plenty of opportunity uh, for for him to at least be in the QB1 conversation on a weekly basis.
1: I like it. Anybody else sharing yeah. in that? Come on, let's, hit, let's let the Baker love just flow out of us and into the <laughs> world. There's no Brahms representative here. Let's take over for
0: him. I mean, my wife loves the, the was it the progressive commercials like with him in it? Which oh, they're fantastic. Are, yeah. I think they're, they're hilarious.
2: actually. Like, hilarious. So, I mean, some they of the
0: yeah, and some of them are yeah. kind of corny, but some of them are pretty funny. So I mean, they, hey, I think he's a good dude.
4: I still every better time than Aaron Rodgers commercials. Just oh just my god, god, those out. are those are terrible. Yeah, that's awful. Every time I'm carrying groceries and I come to the door, I scream. Hell yeah, yeah, that's
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's me every time. Uh, all right, and then uh let's talk about this backfield Uh because they have probably one of the more dynamic backfields in the nfl with uh chubb and hunt back there obviously nick chubb one of the top uh running backs uh in the league great for redraft and dynasty uh but they were both really really relevant last season do we continue to see that this year um and do we expect maybe chubb to be more involved with the passing game i know that's kind of more hunt's role last season um and it's not like chubb can't catch the ball just for whatever reason it didn't seem like he was overly involved so do we do we expect to see that usage increase for him
1: i don't know i think i think wait do you think kareem so kareem hunt increase or decrease for targets right basically so chris do you think you don't think increase there
0: no, but I think he could be stable. I think it was uh, over the last month, like when the offense was really clicking, I think Chubb had somewhere around like a 7 to 9% like target share, which is good like for, for a running back, especially for uh, a running back that we're typically drafting in the first and second round of, of redraft leagues. So if I can also, if I can tack on the rushing production. Uh, red zone carries and then also a decent target share within that offense, not a bad combination to ask like out of your, you know, early round running back. So if, if it bumps up a little bit, so I think he was starting to get a little bit more work uh, around the red zone, like towards the back end of the season. Uh, so if that, if that continues and also the offense continues to produce, yes, I definitely see a case for, for Nick Chubb being one of the better values. So I think especially in best ball right now, Uh, I think around the one, two, uh, he goes around the one, two turn and that's typically where you'll see, uh, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, like those sorts of guys like start to go. And then because both of those guys I just listed are more involved in their respective uh, teams passing game, those guys normally get taken ahead of Nick Chubb. But if we're looking at again, around an 8% target share for Chubb, I don't think that's all too terrible to ask out of an early round running back.
2: I like it. I like it. Um, any final thoughts here with Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, kind of wrap things up.
4: I I was just talking to to my my friend Josh today about uh about Kareem Hunt. I think his his value in fantasy drafts is uh I, I I would expect it to go up more after a season like he had. Uh, and I think it's it's probably a good thing that it's staying where it is. I think it's probably accurate. I do expect his his uh his, his like fantasy points per game to go down. He was pretty efficient uh, on touchdowns. I think he was ranked seventh. Uh, in league, but where you can draft him, I still really believe in Kareem Hunt, especially in Dynasty, because I, I do buy into the, to his talent. And regardless of if uh, you know if, if OBJ comes back and uh, you know they start spreading the you know the, the targets around, then I think you could see potentially Kareem Hunt uh, be less you know produce less. But with their defense, that also makes me a bit excited for the running back game, uh, and especially in Stefanski's Stepans- offense. So. I don't know. I'm torn on Cream Hunt, but I, to me, I still think he's probably a good value.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, before we get out of here, uh, we'll have you all tell us where we can find you, what you do, uh, promote yourselves, basically. But then I'm also going to put you on the spot um, as we're going around here. And I want you to tell us how you feel like this division is going to shake out from first to worst. All right. Oh, man. So, uh, Kate, let's start with you.
3: Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Uh follow our work at ballblastfootball.com. Um I'm working as the editorial coordinator for DraftKings Nation, so stay tuned. Uh always posting over there as well in a little bit of a little bit of everywhere. Um and then what was it? I how how are we gonna finish the AFC North? Yep. What's yep. The rank, rank
2: the division? Yeah.
3: Oh, it's gotta be uh Ravens, Steelers, course, right? Browns. Ravens Bengals. Okay. All right. I meant Bengals, 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 Bengals.
1: Don't worry, he's just going to get another hat. It's fine. (laughs) Uh
3: when I said uh the Bengals were last, I I thought you had meant uh who's going to finish worst to first. So obviously that was but please Uh, bring me an outer. Please bring me a growler. No, no growlers. <laughs> see, you can't, you
0: can't <laughs> disc my bangles and then ask. That's not, you got to do it in reverse order. You got to like, give <laughs> me up.
3: Please don't spit in my growler. <laughs> Come on.
2: Damn
3: it. Come
2: uh, on. Goodness. Uh, All right, Chris, how about you go next here? Uh, You can find me on
0: Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. Uh, Most of my offseason work um, will be over at 444 Football, but I'll also be supporting NBC Sports Edge. uh, And of my part time doing some best ball work and a a few other podcasts with like Danny Carter and some of the other fellows like over there. Um, I guess uh, I'll be realistic. Uh, You don't have to be. No, no, no. i got to be pragmatic. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Bengals to the Super Bowl, even though I did actually say that after we drafted Joe Burrow. Um, (laughs) I might have been drinking. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, But uh, I I, just looking at, again, the defenses that are part of the AFC North, it's hard for me to see even how we get out of the division, much less we make it into the playoffs. So I'll go ahead and put the the Bengals at at four. Um, From a both uh offense and defensive perspective like we were talking about earlier i think cleveland is is doing it right to be quite honest i mean they they made their strengths uh, which their defense was coming on quite strong um at least their defensive front and then they wound up i think with some of their draft picks like addressing some of their needs in the secondary offense is already starting to click um I, i'm gonna put them first that's that might be more of a hot take um Ooh. Right behind them uh, at two, I'll go ahead and put I'll put Baltimore. I'll put the Steelers at third. I'm still bringing you a growler though, so take that. <laughs> okay, take that. Even though if I put you guys at third, I'll still
2: bring you a growler. How about that?
3: <laughs> I'll take it. Anything for beer.
2: There you Anything go. For beer. All right, and then JL.
4: Yeah. So I'm I'm uh, co-founder of Front Yard Fantasy. We have a a daily live stream uh, every weekday at 3 p.m. where we take the popular game show games and we adapt them for fantasy football. So Fantasy Feud, Family Feud, Turned into uh, Fantasy Feud, Quiplash, Jackbox Games, uh, you know, games we create. And so you can find that at Front Yard Fantasy on on YouTube or follow me at FYF John Luke. Typically tweeting about, you know, either photoshopped images or talking about, you know, the process of making it in the fantasy industry uh, and, and uh, you know our journey. So, feel free to follow me uh, and, and follow my team over there. In terms of the the rankings, it's actually my rankings are actually pretty close to Chris's, uh, with one difference. I have Browns. Uh, you know, I thought they they probably added this whole division. They drafted. They had the best draft. Uh, talk about Ravens having a, a you know great value drafting process. The Browns, I think, one up them. Um, that defense is going to be hard to hard to do anything with uh, this this season. Then I would put Ravens, and then Bengals, and then Steelers. So the last two I swapped with Chris's.
0: So you get a growler.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Just go and, ahead and uh,
2: pencil you in for a growler there, John. <laughs> there, that's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. And Jake, where can folks find you out there?
1: No, I'm just on Twitter at my name, Jake Trowbridge.
2: All right. You can find our podcast at Drinking Fantasy, and you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football.
1: Cheers, FFers.